Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Welcome to Radio Islam. I'm your host, Tariq El Amin, and we are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM. And you can hear us every evening from 6 to 7 p.m. Central on this station and also streaming at WCEV1450.com. Now stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You'll find us at Radio Islam USA. That is at Radio Islam USA, and also take a moment to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, and TuneIn, and you'll find us once again at Radio Islam USA. Uh, if there's anything else I could throw at you, it would be to stop by RadioIslam.com, check out guest bios and pictures, uh, and just keep connected and stay up to date with what's going on with the Radio Islam family. And last but not least, if you'd like to contact us by email, you can do so at producer at radioislam.com. That's producer at radioislam.com. All right, family. Uh, yesterday, February 26th. That's right. February 26th, Chicago's mayoral election took place. And Chicago residents were tasked with selecting a new mayor from an extremely crowded field of 14 which included current Cook County Board President Tony Preckwinkle, former federal prosecutor Lori Lightfoot, brother of former Chicago Mayor Richard Daley, Bill Daley, who served in the Obama administration, former Chicago Police Department Superintendent Gary McCarthy, businessman Willie Wilson, and community activist Amara Inya, who had secured endorsements of Chance the Rapper and Kanye West. Now, in order to avoid a runoff, one of the candidates had to get a majority, right, over 50% of the vote, which did not happen. But what happens, or I should say whatever happens next, we know that after the votes are counted on April 2nd's runoff election, Chicago, the United States of America's third largest city founded by a black man, Jean-Baptiste Pointe du Sable, will have elected its first African-American woman, Tony Preckwinkle or Lori Lightfoot as mayor. That's what we do know. So history is going to be made regardless of the outcome, regardless of who wins. So one of these women will become a second two times over. So what do I mean by that? What do I mean by a second two times over? She will be the second woman to serve as mayor. First being Jane Byrne, who was the 40th mayor of Chicago, serving one term from 79 to 83. And she will become the second African-American with Harold Washington, who famously became Chicago's first African-American mayor and its 42nd mayor, right, succeeding Jane Byrne. And he served from April of 83 until his death in office, November 25th, 1987. And that's a day that I don't think uh, I will ever forget uh, I remember I was attending High Park High School. Uh, I was a sophomore. And I was in my U.S. history class when the announcement was made. So that's just one of those things, one of those moments that stays with you. Uh, it is, uh, it's just kind of burned in your memory. But anyway, it is interesting that Byrne and Washington are connected in history uh, in one preceding the other. And now Preckwinkle or Lightfoot will find themselves also connected to both of them, to Byrne and Washington. 
uh, as Chicago's 45th mayor, as its first African-American woman mayor, right? They're connected to them, going to be the second woman and the second African-American, but the first African-American woman to hold the position of mayor, be elected as mayor of our wonderful city. One thing that may come as a relief to Chicago voters is that they now have a clear, definable choice to make. I mean, really, think about this. 14 candidates, 14 candidates scrambling for airtime, scrambling for print space, scrambling for endorsements, for campaign dollars, trying to get across who they are to Chicagoans. I mean, that is a madhouse. Now, of course, the clear front runners for most prognosticators, right, for most Chicago folks that have been reading the political tea leaves, at least in the eyes of most folks that I talked to, right, leading up to the election were Cook County Board President Tony Preckwinkle and, drumroll, no one, right? There was not a clear number two, three, or four for most people that I talked to. Now, of course, yes, Bill Daly has the Daly name. You can look at that as a plus or, or a negative. Right? Going back to old man Daly, going back to his, his brother, Richard, who served for, what, just about 20 years? And, of course, he also had a connection to Chicago's own and first African-American president, Barack Obama. And then there was Dr. Willie Wilson, who in this election duplicated his 10% vote that he received back in 2015. And he's done quite a bit of um, just wonderful work with regard to getting folks out of Cook County Jail that are there for nonviolent offenses, but can't post bond. Right? So nonviolent offenders, he's he's stepped up. And that's just one of the things that he's done. But that's something that many people around Chicago uh, do know him for. Right. He got some media attention for that when when he first did it. Or maybe it wasn't even when he first did it, right? But he did get some media attention and uh, awareness around that, right? That's that's an ongoing issue that we have. Um, basically, basically you're being punished because because you're poor, right? But that's that's another discussion. What most people probably didn't expect was a vote tally ending with Lori Lightfoot taking home the most votes. I personally think that is pretty remarkable. I think it's a pretty remarkable turn of events. When you think about the name recognition of some of those other folks, when you think about particularly the name recognition of Tony Preckwinkle and Bill Daly, right? Just to put names to that. Anyway, so now is a great time for all those Chicagoans who set out this election to start Understanding the differences between these two candidates. Once again, it's a lot easier to distinguish between two than it is 14. All right, simple math. You don't have to divide your attention uh, as much. But since I mentioned, or I guess I alluded to, uh, low voter turnout, or did I? I think I meant to. Now, of course, we're not talking about record lows or anything like that. But as a personal observation, the low turnout that we did see, I think that it was related. Um, I think it was related to just being overwhelmed. 
not necessarily being disinterested, but just being overwhelmed by the sheer number of candidates that are vying for one job. Anyway, so how did the top two vote getters do at the polls? What were their numbers? Lori Lightfoot, she received 91,986 of the votes cast, which is 17.5%. I need to get a drum roll. I need a drum roll behind me, right? 17.5% of the total number of votes that were cast, while Preckwinkle got 84,639 or 16.1% of the total votes cast, putting them in the one and two position respectively. So now, now we are down to two. Down to two, the final two headed for runoff. Which means that this is go time for the back room. And, and not I don't mean that in like in a negative way, but now it's go time for all those conversations that are going to be had with those other candidates who were able to garner a share of the vote. Right. Establishing themselves and their agenda. To be. Uh, as, as one to be reckoned with, to be taken into consideration as we move towards the runoff, as we move towards this historic event. So now it's time to go and get endorsements of those former opponents. And then is also the issue of trying to energize and interest that segment of voters that took a pass on this election. Right. Why did they sit out? Was it was it just being overwhelmed? Was it being, you know, where did they feel like what the what they were looking at as far as in candidate choices that nobody was really speaking to the issues that really concerned them? Did they feel like it was more of the same? Was there a sense that maybe some folks who were in the race weren't really in the race to serve the people, but they were there to serve themselves? Now, sometimes I do. I will call myself cynical, but it's not. It's really it's really not being cynical at all, right? Because a guy like former Chicago Police Department Superintendent Gary McCarthy was not a Chicago native, right? He came here for a job. He came here to run the police department. And it was also on his watch that the whole Laquan McDonald scandal jumped off which was so poorly, poorly handled. And we do know when we're talking about that particular um, instance, we do know that uh, Cook County Board President Tony Preckwinkle, she was one of the folks who did um, use her voice to advocate, to encourage that that footage be released. And of course, actually, we've talked about this a bit in depth in previous conversations so I don't want to go into a full detour on that, but speaking and I'm going to make the disclaimer at the at the end of the show. Right. At the end of the show uh, that my views don't necessarily represent the views of sound vision. Right. But it must be said, at least for me, I couldn't I, I couldn't not say it that I didn't I didn't feel a sense of real connection. Not to say he's, he's a bad guy. That's that's not what I'm saying at all. But I didn't feel a real sense of investment in the city. Nor did I really understand his, this idea that he felt that because he ran the police department, that that somehow qualified him to be mayor. 
right? You came in for a job. Uh, you did the job. You lost the job. Uh, now, you know, move along. Move along. Anyway, I digress. I digress. So this election that's coming up, this runoff election is going to be, uh, there's going to be a lot of activity. And they are going to be looking to not only get those endorsements of their former opponents, but they will be looking, as I said, to energize that block of voters that set out. Now, Chicago election officials have said that voters age 55 to 64 are the largest group of voters, right? The largest group of those who turn out at the polls, 55 to 64. But voters age 25 to 44 are the largest voting block. Right? Say that again. Voters age 25 to 44 are the largest voting block. This fact has me thinking that if Chicago voters turn up in greater numbers for the April 2nd runoff, then the endorsements of two folks I think are going to be really prized and really important, not just because of the number, not just because of the numbers that they were able to get in terms of uh, voters, but because of their potential ability to energize that missing, that absent segment of voters, that 25 to 44 year old uh, voting block. So who are we talking about here? Right. We had 14 people. We had 14 people. So who are these two that, in my opinion, of course, I'm, you know, I'm not a, I'm a, I'm an observer like you are, right? I'm an observer. And I like to think that I keep up with the goings on, that I'm a pretty decent judge of, of character, but also even more important than that, that I can, that I'm paying attention to the patterns, right? Not just the, not just what's going on in this particular election, but just how elections present themselves in general, not just the mayoral election, but just elections in general, right? There's a pattern that, that goes on, right? Is the field is, is thinned out and people, they make, they make arrangements, they make contact, right? And then they get brought back into the, into the process. So, uh, anyway, so who are these two? So these two coveted, in my opinion, once again, these two coveted candidates, that didn't make it, I think are going to be Willie Wilson and Amara Enya. I think these are going to be really high priorities for both candidates, especially, especially uh, Lightfoot, who is not. I mean, honestly, she's not perceived to have the same political reach as Cook County Board President and chair of the Cook County Democratic Party. I'm sure you picked up on that emphasis right there, right? Cook County Board President and chair of the Cook County Democratic Party, Tony Preckwinkle. Now, although she is, and by she, I'm talking about Miss Laura Lightfoot, uh, she is a former federal prosecutor. And she has also served in a number of appointed positions, uh, including president of the Chicago Police Board from 2015 to 2018, uh, she also worked with the Chicago Office of Emergency Management and Communications, also served as deputy chief of the Chicago Department of Procurement Services. She's had experience within the bureaucracy, right, serving the people from within. She's had that experience where she's been uh, singled out 
recognized as somebody who could contribute and work in uh, different leadership capacities. So she has that experience. But when it comes to the perception of political reach, uh, these I don't I don't think anybody thought that we'd be going into a runoff where Lori Lightfoot took the most votes. I don't think so. I was surprised, right? I was surprised. So you might not have been surprised, but I was, I was surprised. So anyway, my observation is that Willie Wilson and Amara Enya, who represent about 18% of the votes that were cast, they'd be huge. They would be a huge boost for either candidate. And particularly, going back to, as I said, energizing that, um, that missing the largest block was it 25 to 44? Is that what I just said? 25 to 44 year old uh, folks. That's the largest block. But with low voter turnout, we're going to be looking to see how are they going to be engaged? How is that segment going to be engaged? And I think that Willie Wilson and specifically Amara Inya have a great opportunity to help and energize that particular segment of the, uh, the voting block. As I mentioned, Amara, Miss Amara Inya, Dr. Amara Inya, she enjoyed the support of Chance the Rapper, right, who has been very vocal in Chicago politics, uh, dedicated, made, made personal financial commitments to its educational system. So we see him as a fixture, uh, not just now, but moving forward in the future. We, we don't really know what we're going to see from him, but he made the decision to give his endorsement to Amara Enya. And of course, she also had the support of Kanye West. Now, I personally think that the support of Chance was a bit more impactful just because there's, there's a perception, I think, I think particularly for older folks, uh, I think younger folks, they just know it, right? They know it. But for older folks, it's a perception that he is more uh, he's more attached to Chicago. Right. But if you ask young folks, they'll say, oh, no, it's not a perception. This is true. He, he is really here. Now, as far as it goes with the um, well, before I jump off. So as I was saying, there's a perception he's really here. And that perception, I think, is going to lead to. It's going to have a trickle down effect or a igniting effect of getting Chicago's younger voters to uh, to step up and get out to the polls. So maybe younger than that 25 to 44, but still, within that 25 to 44, I think there's a fair amount of folks who, you know, they, they still want to see themselves as young. Huh. They still want to see themselves as young. So um, I think that endorsement carries some weight. Right. Getting Dr. Mara Inya's endorsement, having her supporters uh, on your on your side, on your team. I think that's going to be a big momentum uh, changer. I know I said Kanye, but. I think as he's trying to distance himself from Camp Trump, uh, I don't know if his endorsement is really as uh, is as impactful as chance. Now, I know. No, no, no. Let me let me back up. No, I don't not think I know his endorsement is not on the same 
It's not on the same scale. It doesn't have the same wallop. doesn't have the same oomph, right? But anyway, as it comes to the uh, platforms, right? This is the important part. Now we're down to two. We can actually look at each side by side and start to make some informed decisions. And maybe those folks who set it out don't feel so overwhelmed right now. So when it comes to the platforms of Preckwinkle and Lightfoot, let's take a look at what their websites tell us about why they are running. That's right. I always go to the website. We'll start with Tony Preckwinkle. So from her website, Tony Preckwinkle paints the following picture as she describes her vision for Chicago as its mayor. Imagine a Chicago where every child has a great education and every neighborhood as a world-class public school. Imagine a Chicago where we invest in our kids, not our jails, where gun violence is treated as the public health crisis that it is, and where everyone earns a living wage. That's the Chicago I want us to build together. All right, sounds good. Sounds good. And some of her endorsements include Congressional Rep. Jan Schakowsky, Chicago Teachers Union, Lamont Robinson, who's a state rep, 5th District, Brandon Johnson, Cook County Commissioner, 1st District, Robert Peters, state senator, Tina Chen, former chief of staff to Michelle Obama, Alderman Roderick T. Sawyer, Laura Garza, Secretary General of SEIU Local 1. Right? I didn't give you everybody, but just kind of give get an idea of, of who is uh, behind her. But of course, I don't think that type of support is is a surprise to anyone, right? Considering, remember that uh, Tony Preckwinkle started as a teacher, right? So she's got roots in the classroom, in the Chicago Teachers Union. That should not come as a surprise to anybody. But anyway, we don't, um, and I hope it comes across when we talk about endorsements, right? We don't begrudge anybody because they have an endorsement, right? You're in politics to form relationships that allow you to serve the people, right? That should be the, the whole point about it. And you're happy to have people who believe in you enough to sign on the dotted line, to to put their picture out there, to to let folks know we believe in this person and their vision and their ability and their sincerity to serve and push us forward. We believe in that. So that, that's a great thing to have. So anyway, let's move on to Lori Lightfoot. She gives the following on her website. In order for Chicago to remain a world-class city, we need to create a new path, a path in which fairness and inclusion are our guiding principles. As our mayor, I will respect the experiences of all Chicagoans and ensure our city government works to uplift the quality of life for everyone. We can and we must do better. We must do better to address the taxes and fees that burden middle and low income families. We must do better to halt the declining conditions of our neighborhood schools. We must do better to change an education policy that does not view parents, teachers, principals, staff or other stakeholders as valued partners. We must do better by insisting on a comprehensive plan to invest in families and neighborhoods and to end the violence that plagues too many communities. We can do this together. This is my commitment and my promise to you. Now, uh, some of her endorsements come from Congresswoman Robin Kelly, former County Clerk David Orr, Alderman Scott Wagsback, 32nd Ward, 
former Illinois Representative Latisa Wallace, former Alderman Dick Simpson, former Alderman Marty Oberman, and the Chicago Sun-Times, as well as the Illinois Educational Association and Gazette Chicago. So that's not everybody, but that is some of who has proclaimed their support for Lori Lightfoot. And she hit on, and I think they both, Tony Preckwinkles was a bit shorter, a bit more succinct, uh, as, as you heard. Now, of course, if you go to the website, you're going to get a lot more detail. You got all these tabs that you can go through and, 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 and see what the stance is on this. You can see testimonials. You can, you know, you, it does what a website is supposed to do. But just in terms of the vision that they paint, I thought that that might be of some benefit to at least share that, right? That's a starting point. Now, one thing is certain, folks. We will be able to see with a lot less distraction how these women are going to distinguish themselves from the other. Right. In the weeks to come, we're going to see that uh, those lines become much more clearly drawn. Messages much more clearly articulated. Right. Because we can all be for jobs. We can all be for mental health and policing and all these different things. But how are we going to go about giving those things? How are we going to really uh, determine how are we going to make a determination as to who is who and who is best situated to deliver on their vision? So when we look at those issues like jobs, mental health, policing, community development, particularly on the south and west side of Chicago, very under uh, underserved areas, historically underserved. Uh, we're talking about education. Will we see an elected school board? As the residents in 37 wards overwhelmingly stated in a non-binding resolution back in 2016 that that was their clear desire. And the votes when they came in on that resolution, they ranged from 83 to 93 percent. That's that's a serious, serious vote of approval. But as I said, it was a non-binding resolution. Now, outgoing, my current mayor, uh, Rahm Emanuel, he chose not to not to trust in the intelligence of the people and moved on. So anyway, either way it goes, the hope is that more of Chicago comes out to make their voices heard. And either way it goes, history has already been made. In Chicago, history is guaranteed to be made. So let's hope, though, that history. Let's hope that the history that's about to be made represents a brighter future for Chicago. That's the hope. It's great to make history. And actually, I think that these are both extremely capable and accomplished candidates, both of them. And there's a lot of inspiration that's going to be drawn from from whoever is elected. But the outcome, the eventual outcome is that whoever is elected is still going to have to lead a city that has extreme diversity, a city that has not always represented inclusion, right? A city that is, that is in, in all honesty, it is a work in progress. We have not arrived at our destination yet. We're still working on that. 
So this election, as I said, is historical. We all know it. We all know it. But let's all really put 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 some put some prayer energy. That's right. I said put some prayer energy, some positive thinking in hoping that this history that's about to be made is going to represent a brighter future for Chicago. I think Chicago is ready for it. I think we're we've we've had enough. We've had enough ugliness. We've had our share of dysfunction. We've had folks that have stepped up and uh, done their best, done what they could. We've had all that. Anyway, we are going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to take a listen to our November interview of Lori Lightfoot. And you can hear for yourself where she stands. And hopefully... We'll also have a chance in the very near future to talk with Cook County Board President Tony Breckwinkle. That's the hope, right? And we are working on that. So this is your host, Tariq Alameen, and this is Radio Islam on WCEV 1450 AM. We'll be back in a minute. Sweet strawberry icing. You're in goodwill and just past that vintage denim jacket you spot. Miniature donut earrings. You lean in. Ah, that's the scent of shopping success. Because at Goodwill, every item you buy funds local job training and more. So bring home those donut earrings and bring home so much good to your community. Goodwill. Bring good home. Brought to you by Goodwill and the Ad Council. You're not wired to have a response to this sound. But when we introduce a new stimulus, save the food, we're helping to stop food waste. Save the food. For tips and recipes, visit savethefood.com. Brought to you by NRDC and the Ad Council. The Syrian Community Network, with offices nationwide, serves its Chicago area clients from its Northside location, located at 5439 North Broadway. They provide housing, social services, education, basic human needs, and food security. The Syrian Community Network has Arabic-speaking staff and is a partner organization of the Illinois Coalition for Immigrant and Refugee Rights. You can get more info by calling area code 872-806-0141. That's area code 872-806-0141 or by visiting their website at syriancommunitynetwork.org. You might know me, I'm 50 Cent. You may follow my tweets, my Facebook friends. Odds are a few in six degrees separate us. We're that close. What's crazy is one in six don't know where their next meal is coming from. These are your coworkers, your neighbors, your friends. Hunger's too close for us to ignore. So visit feedingamerica.org slash hunger and find your local food bank to see how you can make a difference. From one close friend to another, let's do this. I'm 50 Cent and together we are Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. Welcome back. Welcome back to Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq Alameen. Remember, keep up with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
we're at Radio Islam USA. That's at Radio Islam USA. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. If you missed the live stream or you missed the AM broadcast, you can always go back and find us wherever you get your podcast at. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and Google Play. You will find us at Radio Islam USA. That's at Radio Islam USA. All right, folks, if you are just tuning in, we have been talking about the history that has already been made, right? That just hasn't been stamped. You know, we haven't had the uh, swearing in yet, right? We got to get past that April 2nd runoff. But history has been made. It's going to be made. Chicago will have its first African-American woman as mayor. And Tony Preckwinkle or Lori Lightfoot, one of the two, we're still going to have history being made. So as folks are figuring out who is who, I could not think of a better time than now to share our November interview of Lori Lightfoot. Islam USA. All right. Um, folks, this is a uh, an extremely um, interesting time and, and actually a wonderful time, I think. I think a lot of folks are still uh, getting over the midterm elections, and now we're looking down the road uh, at what's next. And for those of you who are in the Chicagoland area, that means the mayoral election. Uh, and we've got a pretty crowded feel. So that means that we've got to do our homework. We've got to talk to folks and find out what makes one stand out from the other. So I am pleased uh, to be able to uh, have one of those candidates on the phone with us today, uh, mayoral candidate Lori Lightfoot. Uh, she is a former assistant United States attorney, former chief of staff and general counsel of the Chicago Office of Emergency Management and Communications, former first deputy of the Chicago Department of Procurement Services, former president of the Chicago Police Board, and I could go on and on, and you get it, that Chicago is very deep, uh, is a very big part of Lori Lightfoot. So we welcome you to Radio Islam, Lori. It's my pleasure to be with you. Yeah, so as I was saying, um, for our Chicago listeners in particular, right, because we have such a crowded field, um, it really is important for voters to be able to make distinctions between one candidate and the next. So you all might agree on certain issues, but your positions on what some may look at as sensitive issues, such as um, an elected school board, police accountability, economic development, all these things uh, are going to carry a lot of weight as folks go to the polls. So I'd like to first start out with, um, do you consider or do you support an elected school board? I do support an elected school board. Um, and my reason for that is my mother actually served on an elected school board in the town that I grew up in. I know from uh, her interactions with uh, people in our community, whether they were calling during dinner time, stopping by the house, talking to her um, at the grocery store, how important it is to really have a parent advocate at the table when critical decisions are being made about education policy. Uh, my mother really served as a voice, particularly for um, African-American uh, families in our town, um, dealing with a range of issues that made sure that they had a seat at the table and they had a real voice. So that is the reason why I support an elected school board. I want to see us create an opportunity, just like I experienced uh, watching my mother, where parents have a real opportunity uh, to weigh in on important issues about the education of their children. Right. And I know at one point the issue was under the current administration um, when it was brought up uh, and it's been brought, it's been broached, I think, twice, one within the Illinois General, General Assembly. Um, it didn't make it to the Senate floor. Uh, and also um, as a part of a referendum, I think, in, uh, in 2016. Um, but the response was, well, because we have local school councils, 
that that would suffice. Um, so it's that's uh, uh, interesting, not just interesting. I think it's good because I, I don't I don't have to be impartial. I can say you know I'm also for an elected school board. So uh, I think that's 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 really great to hear. Um, and let me ask you about your thoughts on investment. Uh, Chicago South and West Side, and we, we've seen uh, Chicago. I think has about at least 60 tower cranes up right now. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a lot of work, a lot of uh, investment going on. There are a lot of jobs uh, that have been created uh, from those construction projects. But when it comes to the South, and particularly if we talk about the West Side, it's been an area that has uh, really been very much uh, kind of hands off. Uh, there's there's been some sporadic stuff, but not really a targeted um, effort. It do, it doesn't right. seem to be that way. So could could you talk a bit about that? Well, sure. I've been talking from the very beginning of this campaign about the absolute necessity of uplifting the quality of life in our neighborhoods. And frankly, a big reason that I got into this campaign is I saw this disparity um, in investment that really created a class of haves and haves not, and that the distance between those two groups was growing under the practices and policies of this current administration. So it's critically important that we have a reset. We obviously need to continue attracting businesses um, to our city, all over the city, but we can't ignore our neighborhoods who are literally starving for resources. I spent a lot of time traveling all over the city, and particularly on the south and the west sides, and what you just described, which is the absence of economic uh, development, the absence of good-paying jobs that pay a living wage, that's a huge problem. And it's all part of the same ecosystem that's bringing us um, this unprecedented levels of violence across the city. If people don't have hope and they don't have the opportunity for a decent, well-paying job, we're going to see the violence continue because we have neighborhood after neighborhood where the largest employer is illegal drug trade. Mm. And so we're only going to be able to get a handle on these most vexing problems when we invest in our neighborhoods. And that means economic development, uh, up, uh, really rebuilding our small business core, making sure that we've got um, dra- uh, job training that leads to real jobs with wraparound services to help our folks who really don't have a history of work. Uh, it means that we've got to deal with the food, the pharmacy, and the medical deserts that are plaguing way too many of these communities. Mm-hmm. So we've got to have a Marshall Plan for our neighborhoods that are desperately in need of help. Right, right. Uh, do you think that there is um, that there is a, a sense of corporate apathy or private investment apathy when it comes to these particular neighborhoods uh, where, you know, they, they just have remained overlooked because they're just no, it's I, not an attachment? No, I, think the, I think the thing that's been lacking, frankly, is a leader that has vision. Look, I grew up uh, in a family where we struggled. Mm. We lived in a working class neighborhood. And I go back to that same neighborhood now, and I see the effects of the lack of investment. So this is, these are issues that are very personal to me. Mm-hmm. What I think our business community needs, because many of them are trying to and are good corporate citizens, they're putting their dollars into the neighborhoods where they are a part of, they're, they're helping support and uplift various charities, but we need focus and we need a leader who can direct those resources to the areas of the city that are most in need. That's what I think is lacking. Mm, that, that has to start with the leadership, with that being a, a part of the, a main part of the agenda. Okay, I got you, I got you. Um, and I know Chicago has, uh, it has commanded uh, the spotlight in its own, uh, on its own, and not for, sometimes not for the reasons we want it to. Yeah. Um, uh, and with the uh, recent verdict uh, against the, uh, against uh, former police officer, Chicago police officer Jason Van Dyke, and the Laquan McDonald uh, murder, um, 
it of course some folks were looking for first degree and they were not you know they said okay well we got the second degree conviction um, but even beyond that what's next in terms of changing the culture and addressing um, addressing a reality that says that this is not expected to be the last Laquan McDonald that if we wait long enough as things with things as they are we shouldn't be surprised if we see another so what what are your thoughts on policing uh, and violence in Chicago and 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 your leadership being a part of helping to change the the culture well look I've been out front on these issues for a number of years and frankly I'm the only candidate in the race or or who will get in that really has the bandwidth from a number of different perspectives to take on and change the culture within the police department, but more importantly, to make our neighborhoods safe. Mm -hmm. I'm a former federal prosecutor. I worked in the police department investigating police misconduct. I led the police accountability task force in the wake of the release of the video showing the murder of Laquan McDonald. Um, and I served on the Chicago Police Board, where we held officers who engaged in misconduct ac uh, accountable. Mm -hmm. So I have a range of experiences that set me apart um, from other uh, mayoral candidates. But look, I think we've got to keep the, doing the hard work. My task force issued a very specific roadmap that was followed by the Obama Department of Justice roadmap for change. Uh, the consent decree is going to be um, put into place before the end of the year. Mm -hmm. So there's work that needs to be done. But even outside of that, we've got to keep working hard to make sure that our officers are well-trained, that they're engaging in constitutional policing, and that we continue to do everything possible to bridge the gap between the communities and the police. Where it's got to start, and I issued a comprehensive public safety plan, we've got to have city resources focused on bringing down the violence. Now, that seems like an odd thing to say, but let me tell you why I say that. We do not have in the city a mayor's office for public safety. That's why I've recommended that we have to stand that up. Right now, we only have two people that are on the mayor's staff that are focused full-time on the wide array of public safety needs that go beyond the police department and include the fire department, um, natural and man-made disasters, 911 center. So we have to make sure that we are doing more there. <clears throat> and if we compare those two full-time people with New York and L.A., New York has 50 uh, full-time people and L.A. has 30. So we are not putting our money where our mouth is when we talk about really getting a handle on public safety and making sure that public safety is not just a commodity for the, the wealthy and the well-connected, right. that every citizen has a basic right to be safe. And we've got to operate city government with that priority in mind, and that's what we'll do in a Lightfoot administration. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, when it comes to it, of course, this relates back to uh, the uh, a previous question, question which is the economic development, uh, because we know I think there yeah. was a survey, and this might be a couple of years ago, but I don't think the numbers that would have changed much, and that was that it was about 50% of African-American males, high school aged, uh, high school to college age range, uh, were unemployed. Uh, yep. and not in not in school right uh, so that being a large part of that demographic that gets caught up in the criminal justice system gets caught up in uh in, in illegal employment uh so yeah so th these things definitely run hand in hand they, they do indeed they are they are all part of the the same ecosystem and if we want to really get a handle on um making sure that we are have the real infrastructure for growth and prosperity in our neighborhoods, if we want to gain a handle on the violence. All of these issues have to be uh, addressed 
simultaneously. We can't continue to do piecemeal or believe that if we just invest in the downtown area, that that rising tide is going to lift all boats because we have evidence on a daily basis that that's not true. When we have neighborhoods in this time of technically full employment that still have unemployment of 25% or higher, and that doesn't include the people who just stop looking for work, right. or when we think about the fact that 40% of African-American children in the city live in poverty, 40%, yeah. we're doing something wrong, and we've got to change course. That's why change is going to be so essential um, in this next election. We can't get change and make the progress that we need to take on these very tough but necessary problems if we keep electing the same old, same old. And frankly, people have either been silent or have been complicit in exacerbating the problems that we're experiencing. Mm. Now, one thing I, I think I think most folks, uh, particularly those in the, in the inner city, um, are aware of the problem. They're aware of the issues and where we want government to be our city government to be responsive. Uh, mm -hmm. in addressing those concerns, we also we, we'll, we'll voice a concern, but we don't necessarily want to talk about the price or the cost that's associated with providing those services or providing those resources. Uh, and quite, I should, yeah, I could say quite often when it comes to raising um, uh, finances, uh, it, it seems that it's been done in a punitive measure where, uh, yeah. you know, it's, you get two tickets on your car and then your car's gone, then you got to yeah. go pay money for somebody to store it and all that kind of stuff. Um, is there a way for us to be, to, to, to provide those funds, but not to do it in the manner that has been, you know, that we've become accustomed yeah. to? Well, we, ha we have to, right? Mm -hmm. What you're talking about is <clears throat> regressive taxes, levies, and fees that place the burden disproportionately on the people who are least able to shoulder it. Absolutely. And, there's, and, and you've alluded to um, studies, for example, about the, the city's ticketing policy that disproportionately affects African-Americans and has been driving people into bankruptcy. When I read those studies, I think that's an absurdity that has to change. Mm -hmm. But let me, let me also kind of push back a bit on one of your premises. Sure. Poverty is not cheap. Mm -hmm. We are paying the cost of our neglect every single day. We're seeing that in mental health. Um, it, it manifests itself in the jails because the, the Cook County Jail has become the largest mental health provider maybe in the, in the country, but certainly in our state, because we don't have good community-based uh, mental health services um, and people who are suffering are ending up in Cook County Jail. So I could go on and on and on, but the point is that those monies are being spent now. Mm -hmm. They are being taxed um, on the, they're being a burden on the taxpayers. What I'm talking about is actually investing on the, what I'll call the front end of life in a much more affirming and positive way so that we get much more of a return on our investment and we uplift the quality of life in our neighborhoods and we support our people mm -hmm. in a very, very profoundly different way. Mm. Okay. Now, Chicago is often uh, known as a city of neighborhoods and some folks uh, give that, that, that as a wink to segregation. Um, mm. But, but we also know that there's a lot of beauty in the diversity that we have here in Chicago. Indeed. And a part of that beauty um, is seen in its faith uh, communities. So I'd like to hear your thoughts on um, partnership with the diverse uh, faith communities that we have and the role that they play in a, uh, in a Lightfoot administration. Sure. Well, I, I am a person of faith. I was raised in the church. My parents uh, were stalwarts in our local church, as was I. And I believe that it's critically important that our children, frankly, have real values that come from uh, faith and religion, 
um, and also the sense of community that faith communities really provide um, to their, their people. And throughout our city, we have a network of very diverse uh, faith that we have to have engaged and involved in helping address and solve some of these problems. So I can tell you, um, in a Lightfoot administration, the faith community will be very prominent. Um, I will seek in, a, in formal and informal ways uh, the advice and counsel of faith leaders who also believe, like I do, that we have a responsibility to be our brother's keeper and move forward together. And I frankly think there's a lot more opportunities for that to happen. But I've been um, in the course of this campaign and just because of this is who I am, reaching out to faith leaders all over the city who are very diverse in ideology, um, but really have a common sense that we must be move forward together. We've got to do it in an ecum ecumenical way. Mm -hmm. And that faith leaders, frankly, have to step up in different and more profound ways than maybe they um, have historically. But this is one of the important fibers and spines of our city is the faith community, and we've got to look at ways in which we can keep that conversation going and really build other opportunities for coalitions and community. Mm. Okay. Well, that's one of the things I definitely feel um, personally very strongly about, this idea of um, bringing that diversity together, you know, for the collective good. Uh, so I think that's going to be something that we will definitely uh, be looking to see and, and hopefully that's going to that's going to come about. So um, I appreciate your your sentiments on that. Uh, well, you and you've been you've been great at making that point in public forum after public forum and also on your show how incredibly important it is for us to find what unites us um, and not focus on what what divides us and the differences. Yes. And particularly, frankly, in this time uh, that we've seen it over the last month, where there's a lot of hate speech being manifest in physical threats and harms uh, to people, it's even more incumbent upon us to really uh, rely upon our faith um, and make sure that we are loving each other. We can, we can express our differences, but we have to do it in a way that doesn't do harm and destruction. Absolutely, absolutely. I've got one more question for you, Lori, um, and that is with regard to um, Chicago's position as a sanctuary city. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's an it's an important issue, not only for uh, it's one of those issues that, of course, we find that uh, we find an intersection, uh, not just with religion and you know, ethnicity. Um, it, it doesn't matter. There's so many different factors that, that come in. But we find ourselves uh, with the, the Muslim population in particular, uh, that that is one of the concerns that yep. has, you know, that that's on the table. Uh, and not necessarily just from Syria, not from, you know, from uh, Palestine, but, you know, we have folks that are uh, looking at Chicago as a sanctuary city who are coming from uh, from from uh, from central, not central, but central, uh, African uh, countries, Nigeria yeah. and, you know, and, and um, Ghana and so on. So what what are your what are your thoughts on, on, on Chicago's position um, as a sanctuary city? Well, we have to we have to make sure that our city is a place a peace, mm -hmm. a place of welcome, and a place of support for all our diverse racial, ethnic, and religious um, minorities in particular who are coming to the city um, to find a place where they can live a better life. That's, to me, the fundamental essence of what the sanctuary city means. Um, and we've got to make sure that we keep perpetuating that reality in all of our city policies. Look, this is very deeply personal to me. Mm -hmm. I'm an African-American woman in this, in, this, 
in this world. And I'm very mindful of the history that African Americans have had in this city right. and in this country. Um, so when I think about that history, I can only, in my mind, be supportive of making sure that other people have the promise and the reality of the rights that this country um, has, has struggled with but continues to hold dear, whether it's finding a place uh, where people can get decent paying jobs and not be exploited by employers, whether it's making sure that people have access to good quality and affordable care, and frankly, I mean, more relevant um, in this, this, on this question is making sure that we don't allow the federal government to use law enforcement in a partisan, harmful way to terrorize communities. That can't happen in our city. Right. And as mayor, I can assure you that I will be standing tall to make sure that we're doing everything that we, we can to support our diverse and immigrant communities, just as I've done. I've done a lot of work in supporting the National Immigrant Justice Center, um, making sure that they've got the resources they need to be successful in helping people navigate our often very Byzantine uh, immigration court system. Mm -hmm. But there's more that the city can do, but it starts with making sure that we are unequivocal in speaking our values, that this city will support and welcome immigrants of all stripes into our city who want the same things that we do, which is a good quality life for themselves, their, their children, and their family. Mm -hmm. Well, um, Radio Stone family, we've been talking with Lori Lightfoot, mayoral candidate for uh, city of Chicago. Uh, you can keep up with her. I'm going to segue over to you. And uh, uh, Lori, where can folks keep up with you uh, and get more information about your campaign as time moves on? Well, we're very active on our website, which is lightfootforchicago.com. Uh, people can go there to volunteer. They can find out what the latest happenings of the campaign are. Also, we're very active on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Okay. Lori, it has been a pleasure talking to you. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Right. Thank you for joining us for another edition of Radio Islam. I'm your host and producer, Tariq el -Amin. Our executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid. We remind you, as I told you I would earlier on, that the views expressed by the host and or guest are theirs and not to be taken as a representation of Sound Vision Foundation. And with that, we leave you as we greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Thank you.